0: May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGown. Morning, welcome to Parkway Fellowship. So glad you're here today. Um, Let me ask you this. Do you remember your first job? Do you remember your very first job? Like I remember my first job. It was working at an ice making factory. Okay, like you know those um, giant freezers that are in every gas station that have those bags of ice in it? Well, my dad, owned the company that made all of that ice and so my first summer job was when I was eight years old bagging and delivering ice like that's what I did now my dad like he treated it as like a real job like I had a time card there was a time clock like my dad even created a bonus structure uh, for me so that if I got a bonus if I went on like a really long delivery or like a really large delivery and now Truth is, I think he created a bonus structure because he knew that probably at some point in the summer, like, I would get discouraged and I would quit because my dad told me that he would pay me what he said was the going market rate for eight-year-olds at the time. (laughs) Yeah. And so he offered to pay me 10 cents an hour, like 10 cents. And, you know, I didn't know any better, so I was like, hey, sounds good to me. Like, that doesn't sound good. Like, that sounds terrible. Like, that is an awful wage to work for. But by the end of the summer, including all the bonus stuff, like, I made 80 bucks for the summer. Made $80. And so I gave my church $8. And so then I had $72 to spend on, like, whatever I want. And I remember, like, we went to Target and... I bought like a couple of model planes and a couple of model ships. You know, the kinds that you put together with the glue. I bought a stack of comic books. I bought a couple of board games. I mean, it was awesome because the truth is, I was flush with cash, right? I mean, I was excited, man. It was awesome because I, I got to spend all that money on me. Like, it was great. Now look, <laughs> Like there's, and there's nothing wrong with that. Not, not, it's not, that's not altogether bad. I mean, look, part of the reason why we work is so that we can spend money on ourselves. But the truth is, most of us don't think about work like God thinks about work. We think about work the way that I thought about it. That the goal of work is to get the money that I need so uh, that I can buy the things that I want. But the problem is, if that's where it ends, then, the, then if all I do is buy the things that I want, then at the end, I will still be wanting. Let, let me say it another way, and this is, this is your first fill in the morning, so you need to write this down. If I work enough to earn enough to buy enough, in the end, it won't be enough. Uh, Seriously, if I work enough to earn enough to buy enough, in the end, it won't be enough. Now, (laughs) here's the thing. We all know, like, having more money, like, it might be more fun, okay? Like, let's not kid ourselves, but we've all heard that money won't buy us happiness, and, you know, like, we're sitting in church, and so, I don't think anybody that's listening to me today would actually be willing to say out loud that money will buy happiness. But I do think most of us would like to give it a shot, right? Like we'd like to give it a try. But the other thing is, is that if an outside person were to just come and look at the way we spend money, they very well might come to the conclusion that because of our spending habits, that we do think having more money and having more stuff really does buy happiness. But the, the, the point of is is that God does not think about our work in terms of more purchasing power. God thinks about our work in a totally different way. And so our perspective on work is not really unique to us. The, you know, the way that we currently think about work um, is the way that people have thought about work literally for a long, 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 long time. In fact, in the first century, the Apostle Paul writes to the Christians who are at the church at Ephesus to help them make a course correction and how they think about work. And he does that by sharing with them what God really thinks about work, about what God says is the true purpose for work. Now, I wanna do something a little bit different today. Normally what we do is we have some action points and there's some supporting verses and we walk through it like that. But today what I want us to do is I want us to walk through our our key verse for the day entirely and then at the end come and draw out some action points. So let's do that. Let's begin with what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. It's our key verse for the day. He says this. In Ephesians 4.28 he says, He who has been stealing must steal no longer. So look, there were clearly some people in the church of Ephesus who were stealing, okay? Now, in the first century, there was no such thing as unemployment, okay? There was no such thing as a welfare system. And most of the people, the vast majority of them, were blue-collar workers who just barely scraped by. And so if somebody would... You know, was out of work, they probably did not have a savings account that could see them through. And so, what most of them would, would have, most of the time, what would happen is they would end up stealing in order to feed their family. Now, that makes the situation understandable, but it doesn't make it right. And so, look what Paul tells them to do. In the second part of that verse, he says this he says, But he must work. Doing something useful with his own hands. Now, Paul says, he's like, hey, you shouldn't steal, but instead you should work. Now, I want you to circle the word work. I want you to circle that. Because that word, the word that Paul chooses for work, it actually means toil. It's a reference to Hard, manual labor, which Paul confirms when he says that, hey, you've got to toil at doing something with your own hands. That's the point of what he's saying here. And so um, what he's saying to them is that, hey, look, if you were a carpenter or you were a metal worker or you were a cobbler or you sold you know, fruit in the, market, in the market there, if for some reason you find yourself without a job, you cannot steal. But instead, you need to be willing to go and do hard manual labor in order to provide for your family. Now, from that, we realized that there was probably hard manual labor jobs to be had if people wanted them. And you know, if we possibly think about it, it really does make a lot of sense because there were probably always jobs where, they, where people could carry stone from a quarry back to the city so they could build walls or, like, replace, or you know, repair homes. There were always jobs where people could help harvest crops because like they didn't have heavy farm equipment, like everything was done by hand. There were always jobs where people could clean and care for livestock. I mean, if you're familiar with the story of the prodigal son, even he was able to get a job feeding pigs as a last resort. Okay, the point is, there were always hard manual labor jobs available, the problem is people just didn't want to do them. Which is why slave labor was so commonplace in that era. So what does that mean for us today? (laughs) It means this, is that if you're a Christian and you can work, then you should work. Even if it's a hard manual labor job that's temporary, okay? don't go and sit on the couch and live off the government. That's what he's getting at here. Okay, now look, I'm not talking about people who cannot work for like medical reasons, and I'm not talking about people who temporarily receive assistance from the government because it's a temporary deal. I'm talking about people who are on long-term assistance that can work, but have no intention of ever going and finding a job. Paul says, and God says, that that's stealing. That's stealing. Like, you're stealing, those people are stealing resources, taxes, that other taxpayers have worked hard to earn so that they can pay, and it's stealing resources from, uh, that could actually help people who have genuine need. Let me brag on my dad for just a second. Um, at one point in my dad's life, he found himself without a job For more than two years. Okay, so here's a guy. He has an MBA from the Darden School of Business. He was the vice president of a very successful company, and through circumstances completely outside of his control, he found himself without work. And it was during a recession, and so he could not find another executive job. So you know what my dad did after a period of time? You know what he did? He went and got a job at Bill Miller's Barbecue, a fast food barbecue restaurant in San Antonio. And so here's, this, here's my dad, like a former executive, he's taking orders and earning a minimum wage. I and I know for my dad, I know that that was like super humbling. But for me, it made me super proud Because here's my dad. Like He was willing to work hard, long hours to just do what he could to provide for his family. He was doing exactly what Paul said that he should do. Okay, let's move on to the next section here. Because look, This is where we get down to the why. This is why God says that we should work. This is the why behind not stealing. This is the why behind working. This is the key to understanding what God thinks about work. Here's what Paul says at the end of the verse. He says, that he may have something to share with those in need. I want you to put a big box around all of that, that he might have something to share with those in need. Paul was telling the Ephesians that the point of working, that the whole reason that God wanted them to have a job and to earn income, was, was not so that they could buy a bigger house or buy a faster donkey, okay? Like, that was not the point, okay? The reason was that... Our Heavenly Father wanted them to have the ability to help other people that were in genuine need. I mean, like we think about work primarily in the ways that benefit us, right? I mean, hey, like we work for it. Like we earned it. We ought to benefit from it, right? And and that sounds right. But that's not how God thinks about work. Here's how God thinks about work, and this, this, write this down. God thinks about work as that work is a tool to help other people in need. Work is a tool to help other people in need. Let me show you what I mean. I brought with me today, like probably my very, very favorite tool, okay? This, if in case you don't know, this is a reciprocating saw. Okay, if you're in construction, you probably call this a Sawzall, okay? And this is why this thing is so cool. Like, check this out. (laughs) Like, how cool is that, right? Okay, now for me, like, that was personally very fun. Probably for you, maybe a little frightening, but. The point is, is that this is an incredible tool, and I, I, I love this tool, and here's the thing. When we view our work as a tool, then we understand that our job is not just a means to provide for our family. Okay, look, it is. Our, job, our work is a means to provide for our family, but if that's where we stop, then we miss out on how God really thinks about our work because what God says, our work is not just a means to provide for our family. Our work is also a tool that God wants to use to help other people in need. Okay, look, that's why whenever you give to help a a charity or you give to help someone in need, that's why you feel so good in that moment because it's in that moment that you are fulfilling God's purpose for work and that's why it makes you feel so great. But unfortunately, we only do that occasionally. And the reason why I brought this tool with me today is not only just because it's my favorite tool, but this was the tool that I used after Hurricane Ike to help my neighbors cut up all the branches and all the stuff that fell down during that hurricane. This is also the tool that I wish I had had when we went down to the coast to help other people clean up. Like that was a ton of work. And so although I primarily use this tool for, to benefit me, from time to time, God also uses this tool to benefit others. In the very same way, God wants to use your work, yes, to provide for you and your family, but God also wants to use it as a tool to help other people in their time of need. And if we would allow God to reframe and reshape our thinking about work the way that he thinks about work, then that would change our way of behaving. And it changes our, when we change our way of behaving, that is how God changes us from the inside out. See how that works? So, what are the practical implications of this? Here we go. There's two things I want to highlight for us this morning. Number one is this is that I will help the most vulnerable people in my church. Now in Paul's day, the church helped people who were the most vulnerable. Now look, undoubtedly the church helped people that were vulnerable out in the community. That that absolutely did happen. But in this verse, Paul limits the context to talking about just the people that were inside the church at Ephesus. So I was thinking about Who are the most vulnerable people in our day, in our time? And who, what does that look like in our context? Well, the most vulnerable people in our day are the elderly who are on a fixed income, single parents who are stretched way too thin financially and with their time, and widows who are perhaps on their own for the very first time in a long time. Now look, I'm not saying that there's not other people who have need. There are. But there's generally social programs to help those people. There are no social programs to help single parents. There are no social programs to help the elderly. There are no social programs to help widows. And so... And think about this, I've talked to some people right here in our own church who fall into these categories, and they've told me that some, one of their biggest needs, honestly, is just in light home repair. I mean, like if there's a running toilet. Like they don't know how to fix that. Or there's like light sheetrock repair that needs to be made. Or there's a disposal that doesn't work any longer. Or um, there's rotten boards that need to be replaced. Or there's yard work. I mean, it doesn't matter. There's stuff that simply they don't know how to fix. Or they don't have the time to fix. Or they don't have the resources to fix. Or they don't know who to call to fix it that won't rip them off. And so here's what we're going to do. It's time that here at Parkway Fellowship that we take the time to help the people that are already in our church that need the help the most. And so... We are going to begin a new initiative, a a new ministry team that will help these people. Now, look, we we have other plans that are in process that are going to help people outside of our church. But we're going to start with the people in our church that have the most need. And so in order to make that successful, we have to identify those who need help as well as to identify those who can help. So when we get to the end of today, I'm going to give you a chance that if you are in one of these categories where you need help right now, or you are in a situation where you might need help, like at some point in time in the near future, I'm going to give you a chance to sign up. And if you're a person that has the ability to help people or wants to learn how to do that, and you can help knock out some things on a honey do list, then we'll give you an opportunity to sign up as well. And if you own a business that offers some kind of a service that might help somebody in need, like AC repair or car repair or plumbing or electrical or carpentry you know, whatever, then we'll give you an opportunity to sign up and help be a part of that as well. Um, Because here's the thing. Can you imagine, can you imagine just for a moment how meaningful it would be to a single mom if a group of people from her church showed up at her house and knocked out some of these things that, have, that she just simply cannot do, doesn't know how to do, doesn't have the time to do, doesn't have the resources to do. Can you imagine how meaningful it would be to know that there were people at her church that loved her enough, that cared about her need enough, that were willing to give up some time and give up some resources to help alleviate that kind of stress and that kind of pressure and can you imagine how meaningful it would be if there were some men in the church that came up and said and like took her seven or eight year old son and said hey let me show you how to fix this let me teach you how to do this let me show you how to use this tool I mean because where else is that young man going to learn how to do that who else is gonna show him? Who else is gonna be that voice in that kid's life that's gonna show him how to become that kind of a person? How is that ever gonna happen? I'm telling you, it could be so incredibly meaningful in that moment to that family. Now look, here's the thing, let me be honest. We're, we're at the very beginning stages of starting like this ministry team, so look, it's not like it's gonna be in full force you know, by Monday. But what we are, what we are doing is that although we might address some, immediate, some emergency needs right away, you know, we're trying to get everybody together and get everything together so that we can roll this thing out in full force in January. And so if enough people sign up, which we, I think that probably will happen, um, we're asking people, we're planning right now to ask people for a commitment to three Saturdays a year. Three a year to help the people in our church that need help the most. And if you don't know how to do stuff, that's fine. Then We will provide training and we'll help you. You just gotta be willing. And so if you'll be willing to do that, then I'm gonna give you an opportunity to choose to sign up to be a part of that when we get to the end of today. Now, there's a second key implication and that is this. Number two, I need to make a plan to be a percentage giver. I need to make a plan to be a percentage giver because look, how are we gonna pay for all this, right? Because we want to be able to provide all of the materials for free. Like, we don't want to have them to have to pay for any of that. We want to provide for all that stuff for free, and we want to help with some other ongoing expenses like yard work or oil changes or just those things that keep our singles and our elderly and the widows behind the eight ball financially, and they just, they just don't ever feel like they can ever get ahead. Like, we would like to begin to address some of those things for them, and the only way that's going to happen is if God's people decide that they are going to view their work and their income from the work as a tool to. To be used by God to help people in need, and not just merely consume it all themselves all of the time. And that only happens if I plan to give a percentage of my income to God. Look, and, and, look, and at this stage, it doesn't matter what the percentage is. You just have to designate a percentage. Now, near as we can figure, about 30% of the people in our church designate a percentage of their income to give to God. 30% of our church does that. But can you imagine how many more people we could help if everybody designated at least some percentage of their income to God? I mean, can you imagine? I mean, we're gonna start with these three, but like that's the starting point, it's not the ending point. We like we would love to expand this to so many more people. So can you imagine how many more people we can include and help? if everybody designated a percentage of their income to give to God, man, like that, that could be incredible. Now look, I grew up in church. So I grew up going to church and I was taught from a really young age that like, I need to give God 10% of my income. And I, and I do. And I've done that ever since I was a little kid. Um, and Amy and I, like, we've prayed. We actually, we feel like God has asked us to give him more than 10% of our income, which we do happily. Now, I don't care what percentage you give at this stage of the game, but I would ask you, pray and ask God what percentage of your income he would want you to give. Now, God does say that he will begin to bless you financially if you give at that 10% level. But look, you, you have to start somewhere. Start with a percentage and pray and ask God what percentage that would be. Pray and ask him that. Because here's the thing it makes no sense that you would not plan to give something back to the church that you love. I, that just doesn't make any sense. I mean, the church that you have grown to love, that has helped you so much, that has helped your kids so much, that has helped your family so much, it makes no sense that you would not make a plan to give something back to help your church. And the truth is, I don't think that anybody listening to me today, listening to me today is greedy or is selfish. Honestly, I just think we're all so busy that we've just never bothered to make a plan. So would you take time and pray and say, okay, God, what percentage would you have me to give back to you because I want you to use my work as a tool to help those in need? See, that's what happens. Would you make a plan to be a percentage giver? Because that shows that you are allowing God to reshape your thinking, to think about your work like he thinks about your work because it's more than just to provide for you. It's a tool that God wants to use to help other people in need, right? Okay, two quick things before I wrap up. Here's the first. Aren't you glad, aren't you glad that God came to rescue you in your time of need. You know, maybe for you, like that was a physical need, you were going through a really hard time in your life, but I'm telling you, for all of us, it's a spiritual need. Because all of us were separated from God by our sins. We could not have a relationship with Him on this earth, we could not go to heaven when we die, because our sins separate us from God. And aren't you glad that God didn't say to you, like, hey, well you know what, I hope that you figure it out. Like, I hope there's a way that you can get all that sorted out. I hope you can find a way to make your own way and have all of your sins forgiven. Because, look, here's the deal. Your sins are not forgiven by doing good works. Your good works don't cancel out your bad works. That's not how it works. Sins have to be forgiven. And aren't you glad that God did not say, well, I hope you can find somebody to forgive you your sins? What God did was, he, he's the one, like he saw our need, he saw that we, our spiritual need, and so he provided his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross so that Jesus' death could provide that forgiveness for our sins. I mean, aren't we glad that God took the initiative to do that for us? So why would we not take the initiative and do the same for other people in a more physical, tangible way? So let, let, me, just, let, me, let me just pause and say this. If you have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, to forgive you and pledge your life to following him, please, please, please do that today. There's a a prayer, it's on the bottom of your message notes. If you've never prayed a prayer to become a Christ follower, make sure that you pray that today. Okay, here's the second thing. Second thing is this. I'm begging you, please, reframe your thinking to think about work the way that God thinks about work. Think about your work as a tool, not just for your benefit, but as a tool for the benefit of other people because when you do, think about how many people could be changed. Think about, think about the kids that grow up in a single parent household. Think about if they grew up knowing And seeing firsthand that there were people at their church that loved them, that cared about their family enough to give up some time, to give up some of the resources, to come and help their family during a season when their family was at their greatest need. I mean, think about those kids growing up watching that firsthand. What would those kids think about God? What would those kids grow up thinking about church? What would those kids grow up thinking about Christians? I mean, they would grow up with a totally different mindset than so many people. They would grow up thinking, man, my church loves me. Christians are filled with love because look at all that they do. My God loves me so much because he provided for me through all of these people. And we could there could be a whole generation of kids that would grow up not hating God and not hating church and not walking away from it, but instead would have never left in the first place. So they would never have to go through that heartache of departing and then figuring out a way to get back, but they would grow up loving it Because God loved them so much through the lives and sacrifices and time of other people. I mean, think about the ripple effect that could have across an entire generation of people. I mean, it could be incredible. And so, God waits for us. He's like, hey, would you please take the time to reframe the way you think about your work so you can think about it like I think about it? Think about it not just a means for you, think about it as a tool that I could use through you to change so many others. It could be incredible. If we would allow God to do it through us. So would you? Would you? Would you join me in allowing God to do that? Let's all pray. Bow your heads. Father, I... Father, I want to say thank you that you don't think about our work just in terms of more purchasing power. Lord, you think about our work in terms of more helping power. And that you well, you would change the way we think to the way that you think and that we would view our work the way that you view it. And God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would already be designating those people and those families and those kids whose futures you want to reshape because of how you are right now in this moment reshaping our thinking. And so God, I pray that this work that you have started in our hearts, God, would not die out in coming months but God instead would just grow hotter and that we would serve you with all our hearts and and as we fulfill our purpose for work, oh God, it would feel so good because we are fulfilling your long-term purposes and so I pray that you would do all of this for your glory alone in the name of Jesus Christ we all pray amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash fellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.